You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. And I'm Carissa. And we are bringing you today a podcast all about overeating and what that can do as far as digestive distress. Um, We've actually called the podcast Serial Overeating and Digestive Distress, which sounds a little bit full on. But it's a topic that we wanted to cover because we see a lot of this as part of some of our clients' digestive issues. And um, I think it's an important conversation for us to have. I do want to put out there straight away that I know that this could be a bit of a triggering conversation. Like if people do have disordered eating patterns, we do want to flag that. And once we start talking about overeating and portions and so forth, I know that sometimes it can actually just push people's buttons um, in maybe not the right way. So if that is you and you feel like this isn't the sort of podcast for you to listen to, maybe today you could just switch off. (laughs) But it's, I think instead of us avoiding it as a conversation, um, it's just one to give that advice on uh, so we can then go forth and offer advice in this area. So that aside, let's talk about what we mean by overeating in general. So when we're talking about overeating, there's definitely a difference between just generally overeating a meal occasionally because we all overindulge at times, you know, food's delicious and sometimes (laughs) you just want an extra bite, right? (laughs) Or two or three. And it does... an extra serving. (laughs) That's it. And this isn't what we're talking about. We're actually talking more about predominantly every time you're eating a meal, your portions are way too big and they're leaving you feeling really, really full um, and really uncomfortable. So do you want to actually maybe talk a little bit first about just that alone? Because I feel like that is something that even our clients can have trouble distinguishing between. Yeah, 100%. And I think even um, over the years, I've kind of learned sometimes with my clients that you have to get into the specifics of what a plate actually looks like for them. Like I know we give people portions around guide, like well, guidelines around portions and things like that, But and I know we'll talk about this later in the podcast, but sometimes it's just too much of a good thing. It's not that people are actually overeating even bad foods. It's just too much fiber or too, do you know, too much carbohydrate in one meal. So essentially I think, I think the problem is with the, with the consistent, just larger portion size. And I think, I think we should probably actually like break this up into two sections. I think there's just consistently overeating. Um, do you know what I mean? And then I think there's, there's the psychological um, stress overeating where we have overeating and binging as a clutch as well, like, in, you know, to help mm. combat um, a stressful or emotional, you know, situation or time in our life. So 
firstly, like I'll just I'll cover like over, just overeating gen- generally, which I think is something that a lot of people actually do innately and don't realize it. Um, and I think that I honestly think that's because like the standard Australian diet and the standard American diet, our portions and you know portions around what we're actually programmed to eat are just far too much and far too high. And even if you look at the good old stock standard food pyramid, like like I haven't looked at it recently, so I'm probably I'm sure someone can correct me if I am wrong. But like back in the day when I was looking at it, you know, before you know when I started studying and things like that, the even the standard Australian food pyramid, or you know, is is I feel like it's way off in terms of you know portion. So. I think there's a lot of, you know, like misinformation about there out there about how much we need to be consuming of carbohydrates and and you know sometimes proteins and things like that. And I think quite commonly like we're, you know, I think I don't know if your family were the same and I have this conversation with a lot of my clients, but like we was we're just so programmed that if you've got a big serving of food mm-hmm. on your plate, you don't leave the table until it's finished. Do you know what I mean? And I think that comes from like I you know, it's a multi-generational thing that's kind of been like, you know, um, not bred into us, but kind of like just kind of, you know, taught to us from such a young age. And I think it, it might come, it comes a little bit too from, I think sometimes dinner was your biggest meal of the day or sometimes, you know, too, like if you didn't have like a lot of money, like I know our family, for example, like we're always well fed, but we didn't have a lot of money. So if mum and dad dished up a plate of food, you ate what was on that plate regardless because we didn't have, I mean, we had our dogs and animals to feed things too, but but, you know, essentially, like, food food was a real, um, you know, like a, a I guess, like, a, a really important thing that cost money and you didn't waste it. So if your parents served you up a big plate of food, you didn't leave the table until it was finished. And it was kind of like it's almost associated with, like, don't be – like, you're being kind of ungrateful if you don't finish that plate of food. Like, there's just – I feel like there's this whole psychological – um, imprint on us in terms of why mm. we eat the portion sizes or are, you know kind of accustomed to eating the portion sizes that we we do these days and it's not mm-hmm. until you actually kind of peel all those layers back and have a serious kind of you know think about what we actually need to be eating and then get in touch with um, what you should be eating and how you should be feeling from your food that you actually realize that a lot of those portion sizes are probably wrong and actually quite you know probably just too big like Mm -hmm. and especially in terms of i think sometimes um carbohydrate the carbohydrate space and big slabs of meat and things like that so does that kind of explain that side of it (laughs) sure you touched on quite a few things there and i think i even see that with generations now or even with my sister or other other people i know who have kids now who are really trying to change the relationship that kids have with food so that instead of them feeling that they have to eat everything on their plate and they can't leave the table, they're actually teaching them about just try what is there, just eat to your hungry. Okay, you're not, sorry, eat to your had enough or you've had enough, that's okay. Like, you know, you actually, I think, point out something really important that there's some psychological imprinting on our brains from a lot of us who grew up thinking we have to eat everything on our plate and that plays out at home a lot, but also a lot, you know, when people eat out and they're paying for a meal and there's this whole thing of like, I have to eat for it, I paid for it. But I mean, even that aside that we see it, a lot of our clients just feeling they need to eat what's on their plate. And when you question them, they often say, well, I kind of grew up like that. Like, I feel like I need to, to, to eat that food. The other thing I would say is that 
which I think you're getting at in explaining too, is that when it comes to portions, um, we have a skewed amount of what we think portions should be on our plate. But also one thing that I know we see a lot of is that we don't quite understand the difference between being, I've had enough, I'm content and being overly full. So if if you overeat all the time, you tend to feel like that really heavy full feeling is just just normal full like it becomes your distorted feeling of just being full but actually it's usually quite a few bites or however much before you've actually gotten to that point and that's like a whole retraining and remodeling around what you consider fullness to be and I know even again psychologically when you work in this space that once you're trying to give people tools to actually pull back on how much they're eating in a meal it can be really challenging because if you don't feel that really heavy full feeling you feel like you're still hungry like you actually it confuses your brain yeah well 100 and i was gonna that's exactly right like it's like we're so conditioned as a society that unless you're stuffed full you're not actually satisfied and that's not actually the case we need to really get into the space of it's almost like a, a neurological rewiring that it's okay to full, feel content from a meal as opposed to overindulge and stuff to feel okay about satis- and satisfied from that meal, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's one of the biggest things that is, is hard to shift because as nutritionists and us working in the space, like we've had to do a lot of even that work ourselves. Like I remember, and I think I've talked about this on previous podcasts, like I remember when I started becoming a lot more healthy and a lot more, you know, in tune with what I was eating and re- really making some health, healthy, positive changes, like I was still overeating healthy foods in my mm. early 20s. Like I was, even though I was eating like wheat-free, a wheat-free and, you know, dairy-free diet and, you know, mostly not 100% and I was having lots of salads and lots of veggies and juices and doing all the things you think you're doing right for your health. Essentially, like from a, a calorie point of view, what I was consuming would have been insane. <laughs> but even from a portion and a fiber point of view, what I would have been consuming would have been insane. Like I would have these... I remember like I um, would, you know, in my early 20s, I would start my day obviously with a coffee and then... (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Don't forget that. Start my day with a coffee, but then I would make this beautiful big juice, like freaking huge. Like I'm talking elite, one of those silver milkshake cups worth of a juice. We used to do it for all of us in this working in this cafe at the time. We're all pretty, you know, we were all out drinking on our weekends and running amok, but we're at least health conscious for weekend boozers. And... uh, (laughs) way before my nutrition guys at <laughs> anyway but like we'd come in and we'd all we had it we had a juicer in the cafe so we would make this massive juice like and i'm talking beetroots carrots apples pineapples like so so much sugar and so little fiber and all of us would have a liter milkshake cup, right of just this beautiful fresh juice packed full of ginger and you're like fuck yeah i'm doing so much for my health right now i'm gonna get rid of all that beer i drank on the weekend but anyway we'd do that and then we'd have breakfast do you know what I mean? So, you know, so you're having a liter of just, you know, beautiful nutrients, don't get me wrong, but also probably a very high sugar, high sugar kind of intake mm-hmm. of little fiber and, you know, all the good, all the good stuff that helps how that sugar behaves. Um, 
and then we'd have breakfast so we'd have probably then like you know we'd have like a scrambled egg mix or two eggs and you know two to three eggs on toast so usually we're doing lots of scrambled eggs in the cafe so that was the easiest thing with bacon you know so okay and avocado <laughs> or some beautiful fresh you know spelt bread and then our lunches would be these huge salads because I ran the kitchen so like obviously guys the salads would kick ass we already know that <laughs> so I would make these beautiful big salads but I'm talking we would have a plate of salad do you know what I mean that is just loaded up like a mofo and it's got or your any pasto veggies in it so lots of you know good oils but again like we roasted all our own capsicum in-house and all this stuff so this beautiful big plate of and then we'd add nuts and seeds to it and then we'd had smoked salmon and we'd toast that and we'd add that to it you know what I mean so all of a sudden you've got this you know anyway we <laughs> ate well but the portion sizes were and of what we were consuming were freaking insane and it wasn't until I probably I did dumb it down a bit I think but and then I'd go home and have a massive you know piece of meat with my partner for dinner and and a big thing of mashed potato and veggies and it's all healthy food it's all whole food mm. to some degree but the portions were just so out of whack and it wasn't until I started really you know studying nutrition and getting into it and realizing you know about our receptors in our gut and overeating and all of that that you know you can still eat a beautiful healthy whole food diet but you can be eating too much of a good thing so absolutely and that's <laughs> that's a really good example because it's not just about eating unhealthy food like it's not just about um going out and grabbing some burgers and having these big meals out it's actually about whether it's good food in inverted commas or um healthy food you can be constantly consuming too much of that and i think what we want to move on to is when you do do this consistently why it can become a problem um, and also, I think in the, the reasons that we tend to do this, we've, we've talked about just habit being part of that, um, but also the fact that there can be some emotional triggers as well. So actually, maybe, maybe before we dive into the effect it has in, in digestion, one of the other things I know that you flagged um, was about our... which. I don't know about you, but I think that it's less common that this is the reason. But if there's some sort of dysregulation of leptin and ghrelin as far as those signaling pathways, as far as satiety goes, fullness goes, hunger goes, like what are your, what are your thoughts? Like I, I think it's less rare that there's actually some sort of dysfunction and happening there as opposed yeah. to it being more emotionally driven, habit driven. I think there's a lot of it that's emotional and habit driven, but I think as a result of that, those receptors then don't behave the way they should sort yeah. of a thing. So I think like, I don't actually think it's an actual biochemical imbalance yes. in terms of our receptor imbalance that makes people do this. I think the receptor balance is a, an outcome of the, the, you know, the behavior, if that makes sense. It does. And so I think some of the things that, you know, people will commonly say, from a, like let's just say if we weren't looking at this from a you know a, a habit forming or a behavioral psychological point of view um and we're looking at it more from a you know like just a, a biochemical process point of view as people go but i have breakfast and then i'm hungry an hour later and then i have something else and i'm hungry an hour later like you know what's wrong with me and that's where i will kind of jump in and say well that's not actually what's wrong with you there's nothing wrong with you that's actually your receptors in your gut and your hunger signals actually not behaving the way they should yeah. due to x y and z so yeah so i think the 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 ghrelin and the leptin and the signaling thing is like secondary to the behavior most of the time yeah 
totally agree totally agree is behavior the right word I don't know. Like yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just a, it is. It's a ha- habitual, habitual sure. behaviour. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I I can give testament to it too. I I definitely um, used to chronically overeat in my twenties, and I don't think that there's many people out there at points that probably haven't struggled with it. Yeah. Um, and as we get along, I want to sort of share some of the things that I did to stop doing it because I I would say I I did it to the detriment of my digestion. Like I know I did some um, damage to use lack of a better word when I used to do it a lot in my twenties and it was just through habit. It wasn't anything about, um, I would say like having a bad relationship with food. It was just the fact that I loved food so much and I didn't understand um, what I was doing. my 20s and I think just because I love healthy food and I love good tasting food and all of that and honestly like I even look at my dad my dad's exactly my dad's exactly the same like he he is a serial overeater like when you watch dad eat how happy he is do you know what I mean and it's not bad food it's just the flavors that he's created and all of that and he just kind of for him it's just like it is an issue but it's just not as well he's like oh I could lose my gut if I ate less but I just love food so (laughs) (laughs) yep so so true so let's talk about the effect on digestion so look it would be wonderful if we could just eat and eat and eat sometimes particularly if it's so amazing without having an adverse effect or i you know when i was in europe and going to um some of the sort of you know roman time ruins and you see they have the vomitoriums where they would just eat to excess and then literally yep then they just go and vomit it up and yeah it's full on anyway the reason (laughs) can you seriously it's a thing i had heard of it years ago but i'd totally forgotten about it and now it's like in my my radar again like this is the best thing ever the vomitorium (laughs) so when we're talking about the effect of this, every time that you are overeating, you are putting a lot of stress on your digestive system. It's a smart system. There's only so much it can deal with. So firstly, when it's in your actual stomach itself, like the amount of stretching and distension that you and, and sort of physical Um, pain I think that sometimes results from the stretch receptors in there can actually be quite painful and there's only so much that your stomach can do as far as hydrochloric acid secretion to help break down that big amount of food that you've just put in there so it can really burden your stomach to start with and then often that's going to well not often always it's going to pass from your stomach into your small intestinal tract and again once you start getting enzyme secretion coming into play in the small intestinal tract it's it's an amazing system but it can only do so much and that is often where a lot of that physical pain can come from overeating because your system cannot deal with breaking that all down effectively this i would say a lot of the pain look at this literally physically pain that can come from from overeating a lot is the fact that there is just too much of that stretching and um, nerve irritation that happens but also because you're not breaking the food down as as effectively there's increased fermentation which is 
another knock-on reason too if you're doing this over and over again you're often not breaking the food down which means that there's more fermentation byproducts for bacteria and we can start seeing problems with disruption of bacteria and their numbers so again this is doing this over and over again so you with time it will create more stress on that system and it will with time disrupt that microbiome this isn't going to happen if you go out and you eat your grilled burger and your zucchini fries and just can't leave all the fries yes that's me and that's maybe feel (laughs) (laughs) but we're talking about over and over and over again and this is at this point we're talking about generalized food we're not talking about um types of food this is just like the general stress of the food um, can you think of anything else? Like they're the big ones that I think of as far as the effect physically on the digestive system, let alone no, I energy. Think, no, I, no, I think that's that pretty much sums it up. Like it's just that stuffed sausage analogy from our last <laughs> our last podcast, but just from a different in a different light. <laughs> Back comes the sausage. <laughs> I'm gonna manage to bring the word sausage into every podcast we record from here Ooh, on out. Oh, this is a challenge. <laughs> Yeah. And challenge accepted. Energy is another one though. Like when you overeat, it will like that burden on your digestive system will take so much energy. So often when you do it, you'll need to lay down physically. Um, yeah. I remember my first partner, he was a massive cereal overeating and he used to eat his meals and then just lay down like a beached whale on the <laughs> lounge floor. So did mine. <laughs> <laughs> which after a while wasn't very attractive. <laughs> oh, so funny. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's definitely without question having a continual effect. And if you already have gut issues and you are doing this on top of those gut issues, then you can see how it becomes a multi-layered problem. And this is why we're always looking for this with our clients because they're already having these issues whatever those gut issues be. And then we find that, oh, hang on, every night you are overeating your dinner or every day, every meal, you're overeating your meals. So it it has to be something that we recognize. Yeah. So what about if we look at as far as moving into different types of diets? Because this is mm. something we see a lot because if you are a vegan um, or your um, on a paleo diet. Yeah, or... exactly. And if there's specific types of diets, we do see some further variation. So, yeah. what about the good old vegan diet? We see this a lot in the clinic. Yeah, I think the the vegan diet is. I think this is where we're going to start differentiating overeating in general as opposed to overeating just different types of foods that have a massive effect on the digestion. Is that where you're kind of going? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm thinking like the biggest thing I see with the um like with people doing um eating vegan or 100% plant based is overeating of starches, carbohydrates, and fibers to try and meet either a their protein requirements or b it's just such an easy thing to do on that diet because you're having big essentially big plates of you know plant based plant based foods from legumes and you know um, starchy vegetables and grains to try and um, meet protein requirements which is totally totally understandable and i get where i get where they're going with it but quite often what we see is from a taxing point of view on the digestive system is that it's a lot like it's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of starch and a lot of you know you know carbohydrate intake 
um, and, and fiber coming from that as well, but then also a lot of fiber coming from your vegetables too, because it's obviously lots and lots and lots of, you know, veggies, raw foods, um, nuts and seeds and things like that. So I definitely see that creating like a, quite a bit of um, digestive stress. Um, with plant-based diets sometimes and, and sometimes you know I have my clients that are coming on a plant-based diet and they're freaking nailing it and other one other plant-based diets we spend a bit of time like coaching and talking around okay cool we can still have these starches and these fibers and all of that because they're beautiful and so beneficial for the gut when they're used in the right ways and in the right amounts but we need to change around the balance of how you're actually eating so it suits your digestive system as opposed to works against it for so, sure. Yeah, is that probably what you would say you see mostly yeah. based eating? Yeah, and you know, I've seen over the years, I've had some clients come in who are following a plant-based diet with digestive issues and usually in most cases they're experiencing a lot of bloating, a lot of gas and a lot of loose bowels and they've just been overeating their fibre because they've been eating, because they haven't had their balance of their macros correct, like you were just saying, they're trying to fill up constantly on all of these plants and yeah, plants are fantastic, but there's only so much fiber that your gut can deal with. So they're eating so much vegetables and fruits um, that it's just causing all this fermentation. And when you actually balance out their meals and teach them how to eat a macro balanced plate um, with certain portions, not only do they feel better as far as satiety and the meals hold them for longer, but it instantly just takes away their digestive issues because they don't have that increased fermentation happening all the time. Like we're not, we're not cows. (laughs) We can't just, (laughs) we can't can't live on grass. (laughs) We can't constantly just keep breaking that all down. So yeah, it's a common one. Um, the other one we mentioned is paleo. So if you tend to eat a more paleo style diet, which means you eat probably a higher amount, um, you'll still eat lots of plant based foods, but you will tend to have a higher intake of nuts and seeds, um, certain types of proteins, depending on what you're doing. But I think the classic thing that we see with this, um, if it's not done correctly, is an overeating of the nuts and the seeds and the fats. And again, there's only so much that your body and your digestive system can break down in one go when it comes to these fats, particularly the nuts and the seeds are a big one. And you'll see there'll be, again, a lot of bloating and wind. I find there's a lot of pain. People seem to experience more pain when they're overeating these types of foods. They might even be getting quite oily stools, like their stools will potentially, they may get more constipated sometimes, but generally there's like almost like an explosive nature like there's lots of um sort of broken stools and fatty stools because it's just too much because way too much fat yeah and i always say to people too like think of your nuts and your seeds like and it like it's almost like if you're eating a crap ton of nuts or nut butter or seeds or seed butter like i just explain to people see how that looks in the jar (laughs) so true that's how it's that's what your digestive system this little sausage <laughs> has to try and kind of like you know peristalsisly move i don't even think that's a word but i just made that up <laughs> it's 
But with Harry Styles, just has to try and move that through. And, like, that's just nut butter that's already ground up. Like, if you're eating, aren't breaking them up properly, good luck getting your digestive system to do it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's not just about having them in small amounts where, yeah, like, if you maybe eat a handful of almonds and you don't chew them properly and you swallow them, they'll get bound up with some other fiber and pull through the digestive system. But if you're adding nuts to every single meal, like, your digestive system is just going, I don't have teeth beyond my mouth. And it is, it is such a fun one. And, it's not until I chat to my clients about that. <laughs> but, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I suppose I probably have been almost eating the equivalent of a jar of nut butter a day. Maybe that's why I'm in pain and I'm really constipated and that sort of stuff. I am standing in the fridge with the nut butter and a spoon and suddenly half the jar of peanut butter is gone. Peanut butter. Like... Uh, we're also guilty of that too, though. But I always, but then I say to my clients, I'm like, no one wants to be pushing a jar of nut butter out their bum hole. So <laughs> that is going to cause pain. And probably some bleeding. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh dear. Uh, so they're probably some, it's interesting. It's like the sort of different types of foods that people can be overeating and then how that will start to look different in the gut. Like obviously in most cases there's bloating and bowel distress, but absolutely it can start to start to differ depending on why, um, yeah. Yeah, what and how is actually going in into in in too much um, form essentially. Yeah. If it's a regular everyday diet um, and you're just overeating in general too much, it, it sort of goes back to what we we're talking about before um, as far as the symptoms go. And I think depending, I think again there depending on your individual microbiome, it may sort of go in different ways from bloating to. Um, to the wind too but definitely with the bowels whether it's like a loose bowel or a constipation like there there'll be some sort of change that will tend to happen with the bowels that isn't ideal with that constant increased pressure um protein you know as far as meat protein goes if you're someone that tends to eat the like massive big portions there i don't even know how people do it i feel like that's one of the hardest ones to overeat like as far as the physical demand mainly on your stomach with having to break that protein down is very intense and i think that's probably one of the food groups that if you're overeating a meat-based protein you will feel so heavy and so weighed down (laughs) and you'll feel that brick feeling fitting like more in your stomach for longer Um, and definitely if you're someone that overeats a lot of protein and to the detriment of not having enough of the other foods we've been talking about, like your plants, then you're probably going to end up more constipated as a result. Yeah. And I definitely think like that's very common with the standard American, standard Australian and American yes. diet is that, you know, like you've got beautiful plant-based diets, um, you know, where, you know, sometimes they can definitely go a bit astray in terms of too much fiber and too much starch. But I definitely think, like, I think that's still better for the microbiome than the standard American and Australian diet, which is just big hunks and slabs of protein with, you know, not much greenery or fibre to accompany it. And I think that's probably more common than people over... Like, I think in our demographic of what we see, it's probably more common that people overeat fibre, but I think mainstream demographic, Mm -hmm. more commonly people are going to be overeating protein and overeating 
fibreless starch, if that makes sense as well. Like, you know, just like your common white potato um, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, sweet potato or, you know, yeah. So I think, yeah, with little or no like actual fiber or, um, you know, greenery or anything to kind of help that digestive process. I think too, like just even when you look at like just a standard pub meal, like again, this is it kind of brings me back to, like I love like I love eating with my dad, but I love it. Like we'll go out and you know it's that it's that classic thing of their generation where if you go out and pay for the food, like you don't get what you would normally eat portion size. Like I know if we I don't really go out and order steak because I can cook a mean steak at home, but like and I think paying fifty dollars for a steak is ridiculous. <laughs> but, but but I know if I go with like my dad and my brother and my dad will order the steak and it will be the biggest steak, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? like a three hundred and fifty gram you know, I fill it or something like that with a side of the chips and then this tiny little salad and he will get dessert. And, you know, and you're just like, it's just that, it is that classic of eating. But I look at the size of the piece of that protein and I'm like, holy shit balls. Like that's almost like two meals on itself, just that slab of steak, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that, I think the standard Australian diet is very, very protein dense yeah. in terms of like probably overeating. Agreed. Well, that works well for sort of shifting into what we would recommend when we're talking about not overeating and portions. And I definitely would refer as we often end up doing back to our potty that we did on macronutrient balance. So when we're talking about macros, if you're not sure about what we mean with carbs, proteins, and fats, definitely go and listen there. Um, But when you're trying to understand portions the best way to start or just trying to also break down overeating constantly is to understand what your plate should look like now this is going to differ from person to person like of course but we always have to say it and as carissa highlighted really with the standard australian diet what tends to be overeaten more so is carbohydrates but more refined carbohydrates um, and protein and the, the plant-based matter, the veggies and so forth, unless you're the opposite, what we we're talking about before with the vegan diet, they're usually the smallest portion in a lot of circumstances. So I think, can I just, in, like, I'm just going to say one thing before we get into the portion sizes on what a plate should look like. The size of your plate matters as well. If you're really trying to educate yourself into what um, a portion size should look like, the standard dinner plate is far too big. And Agree. that's what I say to a lot of my clients. Like, we're not talking, I don't know, I wish I had like an inch guide for this, but like the standard plate size is too big to be gauged in these portions of if you're loading that plate up. So I'm going to say opt for a medium-sized dinner plate and use that as your guide. And you still want to be able to at least see an inch around the edges, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> like... <laughs> Not a small, not a small plate, but I think too, like uh, the thing that I've, I've learned over years just through talking to my clients and stuff, I give them guidelines around portions and they come back and they're like, I'm still feeling really full and really tired. I'm like, how big's your plate, mate? And then we, sh- then they show me like with their hands, I'm like, that's a massive plate. Like, no, let's get you down the size of your plate and that'll bring the portion sizes yeah. down again. So even though we can give portion guidelines, sometimes you have to, we have to be this specific for you guys when, you know, you really want to understand what a, what a meal should look like on a plate in terms of just being like what Jess is about to explain, like just basic breaking a plate up. That's right. Well, you're right because when you, you know, they're sort of those extra tips, aren't they? But once, if you take portion guidelines and put them on a big plate, 
it's going to look small, right? It's going to dwarf it and you're going to be like, oh my God, that's not enough. But if you have a certain size plate that isn't ridiculous, then suddenly to your mind and aesthetically, it's a lot more appealing. So generally with your carbs, it's going to be around about half a cup of a cooked carbohydrate, like a complex carb. Um, If it's a grain like a brown rice or some quinoa um, or some pasta, roughly about half a cup cooked. That's going to be a little bit more depending on your demands. If it's root vegetables, then depending on the type, how it's been cooked, I was saying to a client just yesterday, if we're talking say half a cup of root vegetables, that's kind of pureed up and mashed into the cup. But if you're talking like root vegetables freshly out of the oven and roasted, you know, they're going to have a bit of air space when you start stacking them in a cup. So it's probably going to be more like a cup, Um, you know, just kind of some logic there. But you don't want to be getting those those complex carbohydrates where it's starting to get, you know, into that sort of over that one and a half, two cups portion where it's becoming that dominant part on your plate. It really should make up about a third of your plate. Um, There's a really cool diagram um, in the cookbook. I might even see if I can find something to put on the socials just in regards to this podcast might be helpful to visually show you what that looks like. Protein is a biggie that Chris pointed out. We always go on about your palm size, your palm size. I'm holding up my palm as I do it. Like it's, and it's pretty confronting. Like there's not a lot in that palm. If you think about a steak or a chicken breast or some of the things that we buy, a salmon fillet these days at the supermarket, what the F is with that? (laughs) I'm going to say I can smash a salmon fillet, but that's because, you know. (laughs) But what about some of those epic ones? Like there is some seriously big ones that you can get. Like when you're just trying, they're just like someone cut that one and that one and then like, I'm like, what's going on there? And I think too, the whole chicken, even just chicken, like realistically, when you look at the size of your palm, like a uh, a chicken thigh fillet with the bone in and skin on is palm size. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're someone who's sitting down and having three of those in a meal, yeah. that's, that's you know, you, one and a half may be fine. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Depending on, you know, your, your size, your, your protein, you know, requirements, depending mm-hmm. on how much you train. Like this is where individuality comes into it. And this is why, but Jess and I are just trying to give you guys guidelines. Like, If you're someone who is just going for walks every day and, you know, trying to maintain a healthy weight, you don't need 300 grams of protein um, in like a day. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then you don't need to be sitting down at dinner and having three, you know, chicken thigh fillets or an entire chicken breast when you sit down, like for a meal, like it's, it's really, I think, confronting when people have a look at carbohydrates and portions in the sorry, carbohydrates and proteins in the portions they should be having would be the portions they usually are having them. For sure. Absolutely. So, you know, that's a meat-based protein. Um, Then we move into plant-based proteins, which we're going to have legumes and tofu, protein powders. Protein powders, that's something else that sometimes people overdo. Like you can't, it's not like more is better. (laughs) Oh my God, the feeling of having too much protein powder is horrible. Um, stick to the serving sizes. Like usually it's going to have a scoop in there. That's usually going to be about 30 grams maximum, um, anywhere between 20 to 30 grams there. Otherwise your, your legumes and your, um, tofu roughly about half a cup, 
is going to be enough two eggs that sort of stuff but again listening to what feels right for you which we'll talk about as we get into that last area as far as final tips um your fats so that's going to be your nuts your avocado your oils those sorts of things um this is going to sort of roughly vary as usual if we're using the old hand measurement um i like to kind of say two to three fingers your kind of index ones and the ones around it which kind of starts to be like quarter of avocado or a little handful of some nuts or seeds or some beautiful oils or a rough combination of all of those but it the fat shouldn't be the dominant portion if you've got that grid of the plate it's going to be under the third it's probably going to be about any i don't know depending on the meal roughly about maybe a quarter to just under a third i'm not good at maths but it shouldn't be (laughs) half of the plate but and half of the plate shouldn't be. Oh, sorry. No, you go. Yes, yeah, I was gonna say, and it also shouldn't be all the fats Jess just mentioned in one meal. I think that's the mistake I've seen a lot of people really make, especially since paleo and keto really kind of have taken the floor a little bit. Is that you, uh, people are being led to believe that they can just consume fats in crazy yeah. amounts with all of their meals at no detriment to their gut microbiome and no detriment to their liver and their bile production and their gallbladder, and it's just absolutely bullshit and not the case Mm -hmm. so if you're adding a whole heap of coconut oil to your veggies and then you're dousing that meal of greens in olive oil and you're adding avocado and you're adding nuts and seeds and you're Mm -hmm. having you know like a fatty piece of meat that is too freaking much you know for your gut and your liver to digest you know fair enough exactly what jess is saying if you go out and do that and have this beautiful fat laden rest meal at a restaurant once in a blue moon your gut will deal with it you'll probably feel a bit shitty and maybe a bit nauseous depending on your gut but mm. you'll cope with it but if you're doing this every meal expect issues with your gut and your and your bile production over time it yeah. will it's it's so much to break down i'll often say to people again as a guideline maybe roughly about quarter to a third of a cup maximum if you're mixing your fats like imagine some of those nuts and avocado and oils kind of jammed into a cup visually what that's going to look like like that's that's plenty it shouldn't be more than that kind of like not that i love my olive oil and my food and stuff but even when you kind of put that visualization of that much fat in one yeah just dotting that it kind of makes your gut churn a little bit yeah like like even even though spread out over a meal with some vinegars and some lemon juices and all of those things that actually do help emulsify in the digestive process and you've got usually some live greens or some bitters with your food like that of course then helps but if you were to just put that into a cup and have it in one hit like a quarter of a cup of oil or something like that you're not going to feel great so kind of think about it like that when you're putting it onto a plate exactly and then with our with our vegetables and our plant-based fibers that we're always looking at half of your plate being that or roughly two fifth size or roughly one and a half to two cups that's where you're going to be sitting they're all good analogies to go by but it doesn't want to be double that triple that and it also doesn't want to be just a spattering of that a really good example of a common um, sort of again australian standard australian standard diet type of meal would be a pasta meal where the you're making your spaghetti bolognese at home and majority of that meal is the pasta and then we've got the second component of that being the meat sauce that's tossed through and then as far as the fat there's going to be some fat probably cooked in with that mince that's probably not going to be too much of an issue but the vegetables where's our half a plate or our dominant portion of the vegetables and how much of that carbohydrate portion 
is too much. And the problem with that, again, doesn't matter if it's occasionally, but if you're eating like that all the time, is that you're not getting that balance. You're overeating those carbohydrates in that meal. And generally your body will feel like it kind of hasn't had enough. It's kind of looking, it's really always fascinates me. You know, we always go on and on about macro balance. Like when you eat that balance, you're satisfied. And when you have that carb dominant, usually a sort of white pasta in that case too, you'll just feel like you're still looking for something afterwards. Not hungry, but your brain will tell you you're hungry. Like it's that that sort of weird space that you can get in. It's like, oh, I feel like I want something still. And it's because you've, you're not ticking all of those boxes appropriately. So I feel like, you know, that's one only just one example, but it is one I think we see a lot with our clients when we start asking them about their dinners There's um, or, or some of their lunches that they're getting, their sushi that they're buying and they're overeating their sushi because it's just a dump of white rice with hardly any protein or vegetables. Like you know, some of these, you might be like, oh, I don't eat like that, but there's a lot of people that do eat like that. And they're, they're the people I think that even for today, it's important to start to get this concept across to. As far as that, that, that gives people a little bit of a visual representation of what that look like on a plate and those portions. Moving on from there about how we then navigate that, Carissa mentioned about the plate size. So once you take those portions and put them on a smaller plate, it's gonna look a hell of a lot different to your favorite big plate or bowl. There's other ways to deal with this too, because we both know that it's one thing to give you these guidelines, but if you're stuck in a habitual pattern of overeating, when you first do that smaller downsize meal, your brain's gonna panic. You're gonna be like, oh my God, oh my God, it's not enough. (laughs) Firstly, I can promise you, you're not gonna die of starvation. Like worst case scenario with downsizing your meal is that maybe you will actually get hungry a little bit earlier than we anticipated. That's okay. We can just like maybe increase a little bit of something, but there's this kind of concept of like reducing portion sizes that it's going to like (laughs) be the worst thing in the world. It's like, you won't die. There's plenty of food still in the pantry and in the fridge and leftovers and all of those things. The other thing besides the plate size I find works really well and often falls into this space of overeating is that people when they're overeating often eat really fast. And I used to do this myself. I would eat so fast. And when I first felt that feeling of like, I've had enough, I would eat faster because I knew that once that kicked in properly, that I would be like, oh, I've really had enough now. So (laughs) she's really bad. But if you, if you just eat a little slower, it will give your brain time to register that you've had enough. One of the tips I'll give to my clients is when you take a mouthful of your food, just put your knife and fork down in between, literally drop them, chew it. I'm not talking about chew your food 30 times because that's freaking foul. Like, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's disgusting. It's like putty. But put your knife and fork down, finish your mouthful, pick them back up. It's a delay of a certain amount of seconds that stops you shoveling constantly. And if you can slow yourself eating, you will actually eat less. The other one that I always tell my clients is when you've finished your meal, wait 20 minutes, wait 20 minutes and let your brain send the signals or your gut, sorry, send the signals to your brain. So, you know, you've had enough, 
register that and most of the time you actually won't go back for more it's that habit of just not allowing enough time and just going back for seconds so between the plate size waiting 20 minutes and putting your utensils down they might sound like small things but they actually are really powerful tools that combined with thinking about what you're putting on your plate can have a significant effect on your digestion like particularly if you're a cereal overeater like it's it it always amazes me um how much better people feel like you the way particularly most of the time this happens at night like would you say most clients yeah. will overeat their dinner that kind of reward eating at the end of the day or having dinner and the kids are in bed and then it's like you know let's like break out the treats and yeah, you just go to bed feeling full and horrible and wake up feeling groggy it's it, it's chalk and cheese when you start nailing this so I get really excited about it because it was something, like I said, that I did for a long time. And the only other thing I guess I would say into my own experience that helped me was to break it down into achievable chunks. Like anything we talk about with change. Like I, when I overate, I actually overate pretty much every meal. Like I was really bad and I had to start in one area and move backwards. So I started with after dinner where I would overeat my dinner and then I would overeat whatever I would eat after dinner. Usually it was dried fruit, dates were my thing or dried figs. I would eat like a packet, it was ridiculous. So I started there and it was really, really hard, but I slowly broke that one down and then I moved to dinner and then I slowly moved to lunch and then finally I moved to breakfast, but I had to do it in steps. And this is what we do in the clinic with our clients all the time. It's taking it off in chunks that work for you so if we've kind of given all these tips today and you're like oh my god that's so much to integrate maybe just take one of them like take chris's plate size option just give that a whirl and it will start to help you and then move into maybe okay now i'm going to start thinking about how much of that size of that meat portion i'm putting on my plate like take them in off in sizable chunks and work with them to suit you. Because if you do this, if you are constantly overeating all the time, it's a very, very strong habit to break. Yeah. One of the things I say to my clients as well is just start becoming very aware, like without getting into like calorie counting, obviously, but like if you're buying four pork chops, you know, or four pieces of steak from Coles or Woolworths, like wherever you buy your meat from, like obviously we're all a bit more, you know, we get our meat from different places and stuff. So, but let's just say a lot of people just get their meat from Coles and Woolworths or from the butchers. Start becoming aware of the weight in grams because essentially, like, yeah. you know, if you're eating a 350 gram piece of steak or a 350 gram pork chop with dinner or an entire chicken breast that's 250 to 300 grams, you really want to start scaling that back. So if you're in the supermarket and you've got the choice between, I just say pork, I just use like, you know, two bits of, you know, scotch fillers as an example or something like that. And you've got the choice of two scotch fillets that a combined weight is, um, you know, 690 grams or two scotch fillets at, at a combined weight of 490 grams, get the 490 because then you, you can't, you physically yeah. can't overeat that protein portion. It's still probably a little bit bigger than what it needs to be, but you're not eating 300 grams of a piece of meat. You're now eating 250. So just start visually becoming aware of 
you know, what you're actually buying in terms of quantities when it comes to your protein and popping on your plate and just start downsizing that way as well. So that's another really good point. Yeah. You can't, you can't over eat what you don't have. You don't, (laughs) you don't need to buy these epic size pieces of meat protein, like just buy less. There's, there's actually some really cool there's the more you think about it, there's more and more tips and and tricks, which is what we're trying to share. The last one I would say is if you're someone that constantly goes back for seconds, like you feel like you have enough, but then you're like, Oh, that was really yummy. I want more one. The food's not going to disappear. You don't eat it straight away. But what I'll tell my clients to do is dish up your meal and then put the leftovers away, put it into containers for tomorrow's lunch or whatever it is and just whack it away in the fridge so it's done because usually once it's packed away the chances of you going and pulling more of it out are just not going to happen so it's like out of sight out of mind um that one works really well too and these we use these in clinic all the time and we can confidently say they work really well like yeah it's another one well another one just even similar to what you say is like if i'm like if you're having like a family meal like let's just say tacos is a really good example of something i'm a freaking queen at overeating <laughs> um oh god they are my overindulged meal if, if i've ever had one those are my tandoori wraps i'm like do i need a second one yes i do and i'm like oh i've got to stop doing this um so <laughs> so just like coming at this from the perfect place because yes. like, we still do do this but tacos are my classic meal so what i say to people and what i used to classically do is i would love giving people you know doing this beautiful big bowl of taco mince and having all your salad stuff and all of that and then dumping it in the middle of the table mm-hmm. so everyone can just help themselves which is so so good mm. but it makes it so much easier to overeat when that's in front of you so exactly what just saying put it away out of sight out of mind don't put all the meat in the back in the middle of the table do you yeah. know what i mean like and same with barbecues and things like that like i won't now usually put everything in front of people like i might put the salads out on the table like if someone wants to just if you're sitting there having a conversation and a glass of wine I would much prefer people to pick up another handful of salad and put it on their mm. plate and just pick it that out of habit rather than have the meat and everything there. Because if you've got the meat over the salad, people are going to grab more meat. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah. And it's not like saying that it's bad. It's just like these are just little things you can start thinking about in your home with your kids and your husband and, you know, your wives. If, you're, if your boy's listening to this, where you can actually really just start to change habits that are so psychologically built into us by just changing some small practices Mm, that's such a good point with a family table like if you put everything away but you do still put the salad on the table it's like if people are going to have more they'll you know reach for that ideally it's just like they're like oh is there any more of blah 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 it's like oh i've packed it and put it away just have if you're still hungry have some more salad and most of the time be like i don't want anything you don't want the salad (laughs) that's what my mum used to do and it drove me crazy well you can't be that hungry i feel like i want blah 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 well have an apple i don't want an apple I haven't even had that. My parents did that with me. I have that conversation with my nieces. Like they'll push, like sometimes, you know, when they were living with me when my brother was living here and stuff. And yeah, like we do, you know, do their food and stuff. And they obviously just eat what they want because they're kids. And um, and then they'd be like, we're not hungry anymore. And then I'd be like, okay, are you sure? Because if you're if you're done, then that's it. You're full, right? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're full. I'm like, cool. All right. Well, I'll get rid of that. But you definitely don't have time for because especially when my mum would leave stuff here she'd leave ice cream so they know they'd have ice cream in the, in the freezer and i knew what they were doing and i'd be like cool so you guys and i'd be like so you're definitely full you 100 percent can't eat anymore and they're like no honey Lucy, we're so full i'm like sweet no worries well i'll give this to the puppies then and you guys can i guess have your ice cream another time oh we've got room for ice cream to finish your meal. <laughs> <laughs> i'm like so you can't be that 
<laughs> Love it. Excellent. Yes. Well, I think that wraps it up. I was thinking, you know, you were just talking about your tacos being your Achilles heel. It's, I, I feel like my Achilles heel is things like that, that are hand food. That's like, it's in your hand. And once you let it go, it falls apart. So you kind of like, like a homemade kebab will always do that. You're like nearly finished. You're like, I've had enough, but it's like, well, if I don't eat all of this and I let it go, it's all over. (laughs) So you just commit to the last mouthfuls. But guys, I hope this has really helped. It's all over. over. You're going to starve to death tonight. I better eat. But yeah, we hope that these, um, these tips in particular have helped and, but also highlighting why we, we want to bring this, habit that we see a lot to your attention um but also you know we've shared that it is something you're still going to do occasionally and it's fine you know we we have just talked about some of our things that sometimes we just can't help but just have those extra bites it's not the end of the world but please be conscious of how this as a habit an ongoing habit can really cause a lot of those gut issues that you may not be realizing or or compounding them more any questions, you know where to find us. Um, just hit us up on our socials and share away. We love it when you share the podcast. It gets out there and reaches more people. Otherwise, have a bloody amazing weekend ahead. And we will chat to you again soon. Adios. Bye.